This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I am so, so excited to get to come to church. And you know, I'm up here right now, and I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to get back here tonight. And then tonight I'm thinking, I can't wait to get back here Wednesday. You know, uh, we got Scott and his wife from Oregon driving through on their way down to Texas, and I'm, think, I'm thinking about them. They're like me and my wife, like my family. When we're on vacation, we don't take a spiritual vacation. We always check things out. We pray. We try to see some place that we can go to church at when they got a church service. No, we want to be in church because we know we want to stick close to God. We're going to be talking about things like that in our message today, but how many need an outline? Did If you didn't get a sermon outline, hold up your hand, and the ushers would be glad to put an outline in your hand. And also, I want to show you some books that are in line for our message today. You notice that we're going to be talking about God's wisdom for making healthy choices, and this is one of my all-time favorite books, Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life. It's a Brother Hagen book. I've had this, he probably wrote this in the very early 90s, and I, I just devoured that book when he first wrote it. I've still got my original copy. I've got notes and notes and notes and dates of that book just all through my all through my Christian life and ministry. I read things like this because it's full of the Word of God uh, with, with a man of God that gives modern-day examples and things that help me understand how it applies to me today. How many believe that God has a plan for your life? Amen. And, you know, I think about, I think about how awesome he is that, that a lot of people don't really realize this, but of all the billions of people in the world, God is so awesome, no matter what language they speak, no matter what nation they live in, whether it's a Muslim nation, whether it's a Christian nation, or it's a flat-out heathen nation that don't uh, know anything about anything, God is so awesome, He hears every prayer that's ever uttered in whatever language it is, whatever nationality or race is praying it. God is so awesome, He knows everything going on everywhere, and God has a plan for every person on planet Earth. And so we as Christians, because God is so, he, because, I, I don't want to even use the word smart, but he is, it's smart. God is so smart and knows so much. He knew you before you were born. And he wouldn't have a plan for your life if he didn't want you to know the plan. And so you got to get in position to hear the plan. But anyway, that book there would be really good. And things we talk about today will help you. And then this, this here would be a really good book, Scripture Confessions for a Victorious Christian Living. Christian Confessions for a Victorious Christian Living. You need to know the Word of God. You need to learn the Word of God. You need to speak the Word of God. And so little things like this are little tools. They really help you. And I know that uh, years ago when I first got saved, I found out there was a thing as Christian books. I was a truck driver. And I used to take books with me in my truck every day. And at my lunchtime, I'd read books. I'd carry little books like that in my pocket. If I have to be delivered and delivered to some warehouse or a place where I had to sit and wait for somebody to come and start unloading my truck, I wouldn't just sit there and twiddle my thumbs. I'd pull a little book out of my pocket. I'd sit there in my spare time start reading books. And that's how I began to learn the Word of God. And so books like this are books overloaded with really good things out there that will help you. Somebody said, Amen. They will help you. And before we get to the Word of God, I want you to hold up your Bible. If you've got a Bible with you, hold up your Bible. It's always so good to refresh ourselves. 
refresh ourselves what we really have in our hands. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written word of God. Given to me by God my Father. This is the written word. Given to me so I can understand the living word. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, is the living word of God. I need my Bible to understand and know my Lord and Savior better. I can do everything, absolutely everything, that my Bible says I can do. I can have everything that my Bible says I can have. I am who my Bible says I am. Thank God I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ. The greater one lives in me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, because my Bible says so. Amen. Now give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I am so glad I'm not limited to that guy that used to live in this earth suit. The guy that lived in this earth suit was dead. On January 29th, 1980, a new man moved in. When I asked Jesus into my heart on January 29th, 1980, I become a new creature in Christ. The Bible says is a brand new beginning. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that a new man moved inside of here. And I'm just, I'm more excited every day. I tell you, I'm more excited every day that I get to influence people for Christ, and I'm not influenced by all the dumb people of the world trying to tell me how bad it is, how bad it's going to be, what I have to have, all, all the Murphy's Law stuff, that anything bad can happen to you is going to happen to you, just all that negative stuff. I'm so glad, I'm so glad I've learned I don't have to submit to that. I submit to what the Bible says. And then in addition to that, because Jesus called me and gifted me to teach the Bible, He's given me a grace and anointing to help other people see what he taught me. And I really love to do that because I love to hear the testimonies, see the lives changed. And today's going to be a life-saving message. It's going to be a life-changing message. God's wisdom for making healthy choices. God's wisdom for making healthy, healthy choices. We're going to see a lot of things about choices in life, how they really affect things. I want you to look at John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. This, this is a very, very, very key verse in the Bible to understand spiritual things and why things happen like they do a lot of times. John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, The thief cometh not. How many know who the thief is? He's talking about the devil. He's talking about Satan. I'll tell you what, Satan is just as real as God is. They're spiritual beings. There's the God side, then there's the devil side. There's, 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 more than one, there's more than one family in the spiritual arena. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan has always been on a mission. He wants to break up your home. He wants to cause your kids to go the wrong direction. He wants you to be broke. He wants you to be sick. He wants you to be depressed. But I praise God that Jesus didn't stop right there. Because it's real, it's real easy to talk about what the devil's doing. But how many know, thank you Jesus, 
that Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. He's at the right hand of the Father where he ever liveth to make intercession. Amen. It says, it says, still kill, destroy, but I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Now I want to read the amplified part of that, the part, I call this part B. The last part of that verse there, the amplified, really helps to understand it. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. If you're broke, if you're depressed, if your family's split up and not serving God, if you're sick all the time, you're not enjoying life. You might be existing, but you're not enjoying life. Jesus said, I came, not just to get to go to heaven, but remember in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They're not fighting in heaven. They're not addicted in heaven. They're not, they're not playing around with sin in heaven. They said, the will of God be done down here on earth. And the reason the will of God's not done on earth, but it is in heaven, is because in heaven there's no resistance. On earth we have demonic resistance. We have the law of sin and death operating on earth. So there's things down earth hinder that, but the law of faith in Christ Jesus overrides those laws on earth if we operate in them. Amen? And so he says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the will of God. When you begin to know God's plan and follow God's plan, you walk more and more in the light of that. And the Lord spoke this sentence to me years ago, and I've always liked it. It's always helped me. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Spiritual choices, spiritual actions always determines the outcome of where you are in life. And I think about John chapter 3, and probably most of us that are born-again Christians are very familiar with John chapter 3. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. He said, you must be born again. And he said, he said when you get born again, said something changes on the inside. And then Jesus explained it like this to Nicodemus to understand the new birth. He said, just like you can't see the wind... He said, the wind blows, you can't see the wind, but you see what it does. You know, if you walk out here in the desert, on some of these days we've had last few weeks, and it's blowing, you know what it does, because the sand plows have to come out. You don't see the wind, but when you see that sand blowing, you know the wind's moving. And I know that if you're a place that has uh, leaves fall off the trees in the fall time, if you've got a yard that's all cleaned up and the wind blows, those leaves cover the yard again, get everywhere. Then you see them blowing. You know the wind's moving because you see what it's doing. Well, Jesus said, the, he said, that's what born again's like. He said, you can't see a person's inside to change, but you see the change on the outside. You know, I know that for me, uh, I know that uh, I was like a lot of sinners that are truck drivers and other kind of sinners. I did a lot of cussing and stuff when I got born again. I quit cussing, and I started saying different things. I started learning how to say things like, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And then some people start saying things like, shucky dern, oh darn it. And things like that. They start changing. Well, you didn't see what happened on the inside. You can't see the Holy Spirit working at a heart. You see the results of him working in the heart. So you start seeing people changing. All of a sudden, instead of living by the, 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 the law that too many people live by, I don't get mad, I get even. Well, then you start saying, 
I get mad sometimes, but I forgive. Well, you can't, you, you, you can't, you can't hurt me because I'm going to forgive you. You might upset me, but I'm not going to cuss you. I'm going to pray for you. You start seeing changes taking place when you get born again. The Holy Spirit changes things. And when you start doing the things like that, then you start positioning yourself in the will of God to enjoy the blessings of God He wants you to have on earth. Amen? You start, you start overcoming those different things coming at you. So your spiritual decisions always determines the, out, the outcome of things you're facing in life, whether they're good or bad. Make wrong choices, it's not going to turn out good. You make right choices, you can change anything for the glory of God. Amen? Okay, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Our theme verse for the year, it's on our calendar, on our bulletin, put it on the screen all the time. Every year, every year, my wife and I, we, we seek the Lord about what he wants to really hit on for the coming year, what he wants to really drive into the consciousness of the people of the church. And this, this past year, as we're seeking God, we really looked at Christians are so wishy-washy about church attendance and don't really what's, know what's going on about the value of church. And, you know, I'd just like to say that if you're a really right-thinking Christian, then you begin to realize that when you're going through things in life, when you come to church, you stop to ask yourself, if i got a choice of this today, if I go to church today, am I going to get less faith or more faith? If I go to church today, am I going to lose anointing or get anointing? If I go to church today, are people going to talk in a way that helps me? Or are they going to cry with me and just take me down further? And so, you know, as Christians, we need to start consciously thinking about church. Is it going to help me? Is it going to hurt me? If I stay home and watch the ball game, is that going to help this crisis I'm facing next week with my health or with my kids? You need to start thinking about those things. And so we thought about all the different people we've seen over the years to not make healthy choices about spiritual things. We've seen families go through tremendous crisis to where our natural thoughts were, how are they ever going to make it? We knew God could help them. But then when they got the miracles they needed, we thought, wow, it happens every time. <clears throat> they make right choices and they come out on top. Then we've seen other people dealt with very minor things and ended up in divorce or ended up in really bad sickness that could have been prevented up front, but they didn't deal with it. And so when we make right choices, we can turn impossible situations around with God's help. And so anyway, this is the Bible we're talking about, and we just held up our Bibles and talked about that it's God talking to us. It's revealing Jesus to us. And show us what we can have, what we can do. So he says in verse 25, I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible because that's, that's the best. I like the way it says it the best. And it also, it's our, it's our theme verse out of the Living Bible. It says, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other. Especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. And so God says... We need to help each other. And, you know, I think, about, I think about in life, people are not afraid if they got the championship ball game coming up, whether it's football, soccer, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. If you've, got a team, if you've got a team of players and, you know, man, we're having an important game today, you're not afraid to send the text. 
to bug them, to hound them, to tell them, man, get to the game, get to the game. We need you. We need you. You've got to be there. We gotta, come on, please come to the game. We've got to have you at the game. Because things like that are that important to most people. Well, we need to think that way about church things too. You need, you need to text, email, encourage, talk to your church friends and tell them, man, you need to be there, need to be there, have, have the big day Sunday. Oh, I didn't know it was a big day. What's called Sunday? Every Sunday's a big day. We're meeting with Jesus. We're having family reunion. We're going to be doing things today. It's a big day. It's a big day. It's a big day. And then you know what I've seen happen? I've been, I've been pastoring for lots and lots and lots of years, for lots of years before lots of you were born even and things. But anyway, what I've seen happen so many times without fail, I will be teaching a sermon or a series of sermon, and people miss those things. And then all of a sudden, I run into them somewhere and say, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, pastor, here's what's been going on. Oh, oh, you got any verses for me? And if I can tell the truth sometimes, you know what I'd have to say? Go buy the tapes, get the CDs, pull it online. I just taught a series for six weeks on that very thing. You were out here getting beat up. If you'd have been in here, I could give you verses now, but they won't be anointed like they were when I taught them. Because in church, there's a thing called the corporate anointing. In church... The Holy Spirit's presence is multiplied because you come into church, you got a bunch of people come in here like you. That number one, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. I got the Holy Spirit in me, got it on me for doing what I've done. But when you come in, it's multiplied. It's in the air. As the, even when people come in that are really hurting, people come in that just are so down and dejected they can't hardly receive anything, but because we bring the anointing together in, as they're sitting there, what I'm saying is not like I'm saying if I talk to you in Walmart or down at Jenny's or somewhere, there's an anointing here because of what you brought. And so when people hear a sermon taught in church, it's not even like hearing it on the CD. It's, it's a different anointing. And so then I've run into so many people so many times, and all I think is, Wow. Man, even when I was praying for that thing I was teaching, I kept seeing your face. But I knew I didn't want to call you and you'd think I was hounding you and bothering you. Because when people, when people are backing off, and how many have ever noticed this? When people start backing off, they get convicted by themselves. And they think you're, they, they, they get offense. And they can try to tell them what to do when you see what they're doing. You know, it's like, like a man driving down the interstate with his family in the car. And there's bridge work up ahead. And there's a bridge out because we're placing the bridge. And there's warning signs. Bridge out, bridge out. Stop, turn around, go back. Detour, detour, detour. And for some reason, they're blinded. And they're passing up all the warning signs. And they're going full steam ahead. You're flashing your lights and doing all you know to do. Think, man, these people don't know what's up ahead. And you try to warn them. But they crash because they ignore the warnings. Well, see, a lot of Christians ignore the warning signs, crash coming. And then when other Christians even try to talk to them, sometimes they explain to them, you need to get back in. You need to get back in. You need to get back in. You're on the wrong road. You're on the wrong road. You're going to crash. They get offended. And, you know, I know that what I've learned, these bunny trails are something else, aren't they? But they're good. What I've learned is this. If you try to help them as a sheep, 
you can help them more than I can as a pastor when they're out there getting lost because of this. If they get offended at you because you tried to help them, they might stay mad at you for two or three weeks and get over it quick. But so many times they get offended at a pastor, they'll never come back again. That's just, you know, that's just the way the devil works. He works on people like that and, and just lies to us and stuff like, well, he's judging you. He doesn't think you're spiritual enough. He just wants you back because he wants your money. And just dumb things like that. And so for me, when people are straying like that, I can't run after them too far because I, I, I know I know by experience I go only so far, but if they get offended at me, they never come back again. I can't help them. And so that's why he says in our theme verse, says warn and encourage each other. And so I guess the Holy Ghost wouldn't give you a challenge today. If you see people that you love and that you know they're your Christian friends, whether it's this church or even if they go to another church like that, and you see they're getting on the wrong road, man, start letting them know, get back in church. Get back in fellowship with your fellow church members. Get back under the teaching of the Word of God in your church. You need it. It's going to help you. Amen. And something else, too. Uh, church, when you get fed in church, it's not just a vitamin. This is things that will help you for the Word of God. And if you, if, you, if you just show up every once in a while to take a quick-fix pill, quick-fix pills you can't live on. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you've got to get hooked up. That's our theme verse for the year. And that's what we're working on. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Give him a hand. Amen. And so you can always tell what people's values are by the choices they make. How many know that? By the choices they make. And so when you have a true revelation of eternity, how many believe that heaven's real? Amen. How many believe that hell's just as real? And eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so when you have the true revelation of eternity, you'll base all your major and minor decisions upon staying close to Jesus. I want to say that again. When you get the revelation that this is real, you don't want to take a chance of straying too far away. You want to stay as close to Jesus as you can. Choices have consequences. That's your fill in the blanks. Choices have consequences. Another word for a choice is decision. Decisions have consequences. God gave all of us a free will. God gave us the Bible to help us know the best choices to make in life. And so, I want to look at some things in the Bible today to help us see why... We have to make our choices wisely. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And Moses lived to be 120 years old. And he's coming down to the end of his life. And the, 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 the end of his ministry to Israel. And so he said a lot of things to Israel as his party words. But I think about this as we look about this, how this applies to us today. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. And Paul quoted this verse here even in Romans chapter 10. But said, but the word is very nigh or near unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. 
He says you've got to make the choice to do what the Bible says to do. You've got to make the choice to do what God tells you to do. When you sit in the Word of God that speaks to your heart, said you got to do it. At verse 15, he says, See, I sit before thee this day, life and good, and death and evil. Life and good, and death and evil. So what he's saying is choices have consequences. He says, you've got a choice every day. You know, I just think about life, what it is, some choices we make, are minor choices. Some choices are major choices. You know, when you make the choice about what you're going to have for lunch, it really doesn't make much difference, probably, if you go home and eat. Or if you think, well, I want to fast today. I'm just going to skip a meal today because I want to fast to spend that time with God. Whether you have a hamburger, Mexican, or whether you have a veggie burger. <laughs> You know, that's your choices, but then some choices have serious consequences. You know, you might be thinking about signing your name on the dotted line to make payments on a car for the next few years. That's kind of a serious choice. Or you might be making the choice about marrying somebody. That's going to be for a long time. That's got to be a right, that's got to be a healthy choice to be the right choice. Or you might be making a choice about changing churches or something. You know, there's a lot of choices, but they all have consequences. And those legal choices, when it comes to cars, houses, signing contracts, I know there's times that, uh, you know, that I've, 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 I've bought things like that that I think, man, you know, and you get down to the wire, you're about to sign your name on that, and you think, man, I can still turn back. Nobody's twisting my arm. I don't really have to do this. I can stop. I don't have to sign this. But then you pray, you reflect, you weigh it out, and you think, yes, this is really what I want to do. I believe God's with me in this. I'm going to go ahead and sign my name on this and commit that I'm going to pay for this for the next few years. Or who you're marrying, et cetera, et cetera, what you're going to do. But you're thinking long term what you're going to do. But we think about spiritual choices, eternal choices. We take it long term. And so, you know, we're, talk- we're talking about choosing life or death. Uh, cursing the evil, those kind of things, some of the choices that Christians make. You know, for me, I think about Christians I've seen that for a season they think, I'm going to do this and church will just wait. Too many times I've seen those wrong choices end up, they don't come back. Or they get out there so far they can't get back, don't know what to do. But then some, some Christians make choices, yeah, that looks like a good thing to do for this season of life, but I know I need to stay where I get fed. I need to stay in church. I need to stay hooked up because I know that eternal things are more real than natural things. And so I've got to say no to that promotion because that promotion would take me out of church. I've got to say no to that wonderful time you guys are going to have for the next three months doing such and such. That would take me out of church. Choices have consequences. We need to make right spiritual choices. God said, because he gave us a free will... He said, I set before you life and good. He wants you to make choices yourself. And then verse 16, he says, And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, 
and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply. God says that you live longer. When you walk in his ways, he tells you in the Bible, when you obey what, he, what the word of God tells you to do, it says, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. Where thou goest to possess it. And that word bless right there from Hebrew means empowered to prosper. He will empower you to prosper. God wants you to do well. How many know that out of all the different nations of the earth, God chose to send Jesus to the Jewish nation? And how many know the Jews have a reputation that they prosper? They become wealthy. They do good. That's just not just a coincidence that God's the one that wrote the Bible, the Old Testament, to the Jewish people and said, you'll live and multiply and I'll bless you. And I knew up, I grew up on the south side of Indianapolis. I, li- I lived in the Indianapolis area for 54 years for God sent me to California. And the neighborhood I grew up in was not too far from downtown Indianapolis. And right on the borderline there, they had ghettos. But then the Jewish people, after World War II especially, they started coming more and more to the Midwest. And the Jewish people, especially at Phantom Dave Chappelle, they started taking over that area up there. Man, they started buying everything, restaurants and everything they did. They started prospering as soon as they landed. They come here as foreigners to America and really had very little, most of them. But what they did have, they knew that God told them, walk with me and I'll prosper you. The Jewish people didn't know how to think poor, didn't know how to think broke, because they knew they had it in their DNA that God wanted to prosper them. As we become born-again Christians, taught on this a few weeks ago, Galatians chapter 3, God says to Christians, Galatians 3.29, say, if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. And so we're not, we're not Abraham's physical seed, but we're his spiritual seed through Jesus Christ. And so they were empowered to prosper. We as Christians are empowered to prosper. But God tells us, the same thing he told them, walk in my ways. I set before you life. I set before you death. I set before you good. I set before you evil. And so we as Christians, I, I just want to say this. And I, I, and I know that most people that aren't even Christians, until they're so immersed in sin and wrongdoing, most people know on the inside difference between right and wrong. And especially as Christians, we know the difference between right and wrong. But the thing is, God gave us the power of choice. God gave us the free will. But God did not say, I will be a dictator. I'll keep you in bondage. I'll make you do what I want you to do, whether you like it or not. There's only one that does that. That's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll make you think, you've got to have another cigarette, even though you're dying of lung cancer. He'll make you think you got to go out for another beer, even though you're destroying your family. He'll make you think you got to go have wrong sex, even though you know what the consequences are going to be. The devil pressures you. He's the one that makes you do things you don't want to do. God doesn't make you. God says, I've shown you what my word says. And, you know, I want to say something else, too. heard somebody say years ago about the Ten Commandments. Says it doesn't say the ten suggestions. 
Amen. God says, I've commanded you to this, but you know, I look at, we got a lot of military people in the church. You know, we got lots of military guys. And I know the military guys know by experience that if they give you a command, you really don't have to obey it. But boy, if you don't, you'll sure wish you had. Right, soldiers? <laughs> hey, Marines? <laughs> hey, man, you'll wish you had when they give you a command. Same thing with God. God gives you a command. Like He just said, I command you, walk in my ways. You don't have to. But I'll tell you what, by experience I know, if you don't, you'll sure wish you had of. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so he says, uh, I command you to walk my way so you can live and multiply. But then verse 17, he says, but if, and I circled, I put, I put a red, my red pen, I put a red around, but if. I thought, man, this is a warning right here. You know, Mrs. Pastor, what, what was it you talked about a while back? The big ifs. The big ifs of the Bible. Here's an if. He told you, I want you to live. I want you to multiply. But if thine heart turn away so that thou will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. Worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish. Well, that's the opposite of living, multiplying, and prospering, said you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days. And I circled that. You shall not prolong your days. In other words, our spiritual decisions and actions weigh heavily on how long we live on the earth. He said if you choose to go the other way, if you choose to walk back and turn back, he said, you're not going to prolong your days. And so the other side of that coin is this. If you choose to stick with him, follow after him, do what you know in your heart you're supposed to do, you're going to prolong your days. Amen? That's what he said. Upon the land where they where passed over Jordan to go to possess it. And you know, when I was looking, he keeps talking about possessing the land. Well, this morning... Well, I was going over my notes and looking at things. I went back and started Deuteronomy to refresh myself about what that was about. And the children of Israel had been in bondage. I think everybody knows this, but if you don't, Egyptians had made them slaves for 400 years. For 400 years, they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Egypt told them what they had to do, how much they could eat, what time they had to get up, what time they had to go to bed, what they were going to wear. If they could have kids or not have kids, Egyptians were their slave masters, but then God raised up Moses. Moses came in, and and I think, I think you know the story. Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go so they go worship God. And so finally came down to it, part of the Red Sea. They came out, and so they just came out of bondage. And then God had Moses tell them, now there's Canaan land on the other side of the Jordan River. And so... They wanted to stop and not go in. They were just glad to be out of Egypt, but they didn't want to fight the battle of going across the Jordan River and fighting the giants to take Canaan land. They said, you've got to go in and possess it. You've got to go possess it. You go possess it. So many Christians now, here's the spiritual implication for us. So many Christians are glad when they receive Jesus that they're born again and they are freed from alcohol, or they are freed 
from a bad, uh, sinful sexual relationship they were in. They were freed from something that had a stronghold on them. They were in bondage to the devil and sin and bad things in life. And so they come out, but then God says, now you've got to go in and possess the rest of it. God says, I've got divine healing for you now. I've got mental well-being for you now. I've got a good family for you now. I've got prosperity for you now. Now you'll be able to get a job and hold a job. You won't be a job hopper anymore. I've got good things for you, but you've got to go in and possess it. I say, well, what does it take to possess it? Well, the Bible says, go to church. Get a pastor. Get fed. Start growing on the Word of God. Start being a tither. Start serving. Start loving people. Start forgiving people. And you learn all those things in church. And so that's what he's saying for us as Christians. He delivered us from Satan's bondage. Now he says for us, if we want the promises of the Bible, that's our Canaan land, the promises of the Bible. But we've got to go in and possess them. We've got to sacrifice some things. And we've got to make some choices. You know, so many Christians think they just say, Oh God, close that door. Oh God, open that door. God does open doors for us. God does cause some things to fall off. But as you start growing in the Lord, now go to step on the toes of the 20-year-olds that are still wearing pampers. <laughs> go to step on your toes. You have to grow beyond the open the door, close the door prayer. You know why that is? God set before you life and death, right and wrong. So when you know it's wrong, instead of asking God to close the door, uh, Chuck's been talking about the will stuff. That, that's good stuff, Chuck. I saw some things after we left yesterday. But anyway, after you see what you're not supposed to do, you open your mouth and you say, Satan, I will not fall for that again. You say, Jesus, I will make the right choice. I know that if I go that direction, although that is an open door, it's not your door because it's wrong there. So I will not go there. And you know what? It may cost you money not to go there in the short term. But in the long term, it'll pay off. Why is that? Because the Bible says what you sow is what you reap. So when you make right decisions, even if it costs you money for right now, in the long term, you're still still going to be living. Your family's still going to be serving God. And then because the windows of heaven are open on tithing people, the blessing's going to pour out. It'll come. But the whole thing was, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It takes faith to make a decision. Whips can't make faith decisions. All whips want to do is just back off. Oh, no, I could never do that. Well, we teach about words out of the Bible. The Bible says you have what you say. Every time you say, I can never do that, you can never do that. When you got, when you got a choice you have to make in life, and God says, I set before you, here's your choices. Then when you say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm going down that road, and Lord, I know that right now, my friends, and even some of my Christian friends, are going to think I've lost it. But Lord, I want to thank you that I've lost that old way of life. I don't live there anymore. I just don't make decisions based upon finances only. I don't make decisions based upon people, pleasing people only. Lord, I make decisions based upon you. You've got a plan for my life. I know the direction you want me to go, Jesus. 
And I know if I go down that road, there's a bridge out. And I know this road, this detour, it may look rough, but I know the detour's not forever. I know on the other side, it's going to be smooth sailing. But Lord, until I get there, I was going to believe you're meeting my needs. Lord, I could believe I got favor with people. I'm going to believe, Lord, this road here, because I'm at the right place at the right time, that your blessing far outweighs the roughness of what we're going through. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you what, God's talking to people today. And so he said, he, he said, you'll prolong your days and you'll live longer. And so I, I just want to say again for myself, when I found out Jesus was alive back in January 1980, I've never looked back. What have I got to look back to? I didn't like depression. I didn't like fear. I, I didn't like being so afraid I couldn't hold my head up look people in the eye all the time, just intimidated and just cowardly. I, I didn't like that life I used to have, having put on a front, you know, of people like that. And, you know, some, sometimes just carried on real big like a big shop on the inside, just dying. What, did, what is there to go back to? Hey, man, I made that choice years ago. So anyway, I've chosen to live life for Jesus and not away from Jesus all these days. And so uh, I want to be around Christian people that have Christian values. I want to know what the Bible has to say in things I face. So where's your heart? What do you value? Your choices will affect how long you live. Your choice will affect how long you live. He said, prolong your days. And verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. God said, I'm not going to make you. But he said, I'm going to give you a really good clue. He says, the right thing to do is choose life. He said, choose life. Why? That both thou and thy seed may live. Your choices will affect your children and grandchildren. And I'll tell you what, I've really been thinking about this the last few days. I want to talk to everybody. Grandpas, you're important too. But especially to grandmas. We got a lot of grandmas in this church. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a Baptist grandma. My family had seven kids in it, but well, back to the generation I come from, the baby boomers, man, everybody had lots of kids. I mean, man, we all had big families, but I outdid my parents. I got eight. But anyway, anyway, I think about back in the 50s, in the 1950s, uh, man, I'll tell you what, there was a lot, there was a lot of God activity. There is right now, too. You just can't see a lot of it. But there was a lot of God activity in the cities in the school, Sunday school bus ministries. I mean, the Baptists had them, the Pentecostals had them, the Nazarenes had them, the Methodists had them, the bus things. But the most important thing was we had grandmas. We had grandmas that loved Jesus, just like a lot of you grandmas loved Jesus. Well, my grandma Price, I'm saying this for a reason to help you grandmas out not to quit. My grandma Price, they called her the mercy grandma. My family is all drinkers and bad people and stuff like that. On every side, man, we had some really, 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 we had some real winners in my family. But anyway, well, yours do too. Your father said, your family's going to outdo my family. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, in my, in my household, we never heard the name of Jesus. We never heard mercy. But grandma, they called, we called her the mercy grandma. 
because Grandma Price, my bad was Grandma. Like, oh, mercy, 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 man. I can remember my dad and mom. Was, oh, she was walking. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Oh, mercy. Everything. Oh, mercy, mercy. And she was a mercy grandma. And you know, everybody made fun of her. They mocked her. They laughed at her. The mercy grandma. Then what grandma would faithfully do, she'd make the rounds around Indianapolis, picking up all the grandkids she could for church. And so as a young boy, grandma would pick me up for church. I was telling, I was telling Mrs. Pastor on the way to church today, but I'm the only one that I know of would ever call grandma on Friday to see if I could stay Saturday night at her house. So I'd go to church on Sunday morning with her. I wanted to make sure I got to go. And so as a, as a young guy, even going to my teenage years, I was telling out grandma prices every Saturday night because I wanted to go to church. I wanted to go, and it, it, it was really tough because I had to get out of my parents' house because it was always drinking, cards, parties, and stuff going on. I had to wait through stuff to get out. But I look at Grandma, how faithful she was to the call. That my grandma influenced so many grandchildren. And so I'm looking at you grandmas out here that are bringing your grandkids. I got a word for you. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get weary in well-doing. And so the seeds that were planted in me, because I went ahead after the mockery and everything else going on with my parents and everybody else about me being a Christian and doing the Christian things. I finally, when I was a freshman in high school, I walked away from it. But when I was 28 and a half years old, God started drawing me again. And those seeds planted in me from Grandma's Baptist Church started coming alive when I was 28 and a half years old. They didn't lay dormant forever. They came alive. And since I gave my life to Jesus when I was 28 and a half years old from the seeds that got planted through Grandma's Church, I've impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world. But Grandma Price, overcoming all the obstacles, the things she could have done, Grandma Price was faithful to what was on the inside of her about eternity in Jesus Christ and what was real. Grandma Price stayed faithful to the day she died. I remember the week she died. She was 95 years old, and she wasn't sick. She was just ready to go to heaven. And so when Grandma, when Grandma was ready to go to heaven, totally mentally sharp, me and Mrs. Pastor Joe, I remember the last time I saw her alive, they finally put her in the hospital because she quit eating. She wasn't sick. She just wouldn't eat. She, just, she was ready to go. She just didn't have anything else she wanted to stay around for. We were in the, we the hospital out there. Grandma laying there in the bed just sharp but really frail because she hadn't eaten for a few days. And wasn't really talking about that by much. I remember my mom sitting there trying to cram some mashed potatoes down her throat and try to get some green beans on there. And I remember Grandma went, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> saw me and Saw me and Mrs. Pastor walk in the door. And a little Joe with us, about five years old. I got a picture being there beside her hospital bed with us three. There, Joe was about this tall. You know, what Grandma does. She perks up. How's your church doing? How many people you got coming? What are you preaching about? Her spirit was so sharp to what was going on. And I said, Grandma, we got a lot of people coming. We're preaching about Jesus, Grandma. We're preaching about Jesus. And a couple of days later, Grandma got to see Jesus face to face. But the whole thing, what I'm saying is this. Grandmas. And, you know, I know grandpas are good guys, too. But it seems like primarily the grandmas are the spiritual missionaries to the families. Grandmas. If it wasn't for Baptist Grandma Price, 
You wouldn't be listening to a pastor samples here in church today. That grandma did. And then I'm looking at what he said right here. That both thou and thy seed. God doesn't just put words in the Bible just because he's got to find some new words to put in. God said your choices will affect your children. Your choices will affect your grandchildren. I'm so glad that at least one of the samples heathen walked away from the pack and made a choice because he had a choice put in front of him. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. I'll tell you what, this... (laughs) And then in verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, thou mayest cleave unto him. Look at this. He says, the Lord your God is your life, and the length of your days, and the length of your days. And so I want to say it again, making godly choices will affect how long you live and the quality of your life. And you know, in the length of days there, there's a twofold flavor to that verse there. Have you ever said, there's just not, just not enough time in the day to get it all done. There's just not enough time. We just don't have enough hours in the day. When you put God first in your lifestyle, you'll get more done in a day than what you will without him. You know, I think about the guys working on cars. You know, I think about me and Joe's got to work on a lot of stuff lately. Well, I've got to actually watch Joe work on a lot of stuff lately, <laughs> got to be honest. But Joe's been helping me do a lot of things. And I, I was talking about when I was growing up, being around people that worked on things and they didn't live for God. You work on old parts without the blessing of God. How many old parts break? You say, oh, I got to get this off. Well, if you don't work with God, it'll probably break off. If you work with God, you say, well, praise the Lord. Look how easy that came off. How many times you said that lately, Joe? All the time. Well, that came right off. Well, I've been with people that don't live godly lifestyles. As soon as they say it'll probably break, we can't find one. It breaks and they can't find one. And so then they spend the next longest time trying to find one. But when you've got it, and know it's almost impossible to find, and you just put a little WD-40 on there, and you turn the wrench, they well, look at that, it just came right off. Your day just got longer, because you didn't get stopped in your tracks. You got to keep on working, keep on moving, got the job done. And then, and then, if you have to have the part, you call O'Reilly Parts, or AutoZone or somebody, and they say, well, you know what, I don't think we have it. Well, yeah, we just got one left. You say, yep, I know it. I suspected that. And what am I saying? I'm just saying in life when God says the length of your days, then you've got time to get the job done, and you're done by supper time, and it's all done, and somebody else is still working on it for the next three weeks because their days are just lengthened with, with, the, with the sorrowful things. But then the length of days means your life too. God will cause you to get more done in your day, and he'll cause your years to be longer. That's what he said. And we're, talk, we're talking about making healthy choices. We're making healthy choices. And so, and so the quality of life you live and the length of life you live would depend upon the choices you make today. Now I want to look at Psalms chapter 1, first three verses. And I call this God's wisdom, God's wisdom for making healthy choices. God's wisdom 
for making healthy choices. Has anybody here besides me ever prayed for the wisdom of God? Well, how many know that God's word is God's wisdom? God, and God's wisdom, by the way, another word for wisdom is plan. Hey, let me, let me tell you this. You know, you may not have thought this way. The Lord talked to me this way years ago. If you're facing a serious situation and you don't know what to do, and say, Lord, I need your wisdom for this. You know what you're actually saying? God, I need your plan. Because when God gives you his wisdom, he's giving you the plan. And then when he gives you the plan, you pray, pray for understanding. Well, understanding of the plan means what steps to take to start the plan. And so you've got to have the plan... But if you don't know the first step, how are you going to walk in the plan? You have to know the steps. And so that's what God's telling us right here for healthy choices. Psalms 1, God's going to show you the steps to take if you want to walk in God's healthy lifestyle he has for you. By healthy lifestyle, I mean spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, socially. When you get the spiritual right, the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. When you get the spiritual right, then financial things start changing. Your mental health improves. Your social life improves. Everything changes when you make right, healthy choices. Somebody said, amen or oh me. Amen, going to change your choices. Psalms 1, now look at this. There's that word blessed again. It means empowered to prosper. Blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so, for your fill in the blanks, I put this. Choose your close friends wisely. Choose your close friends wisely. That's the ones you hang out with. That's the ones you tell your problems to. That's the ones you ask for advice and directions. Because he said, blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He's talking about three types of people right here. And I just want to briefly say this. The ungodly, to me, I always call this the non-word people. People that may be Christians, but they don't really live a godly life. They may be Christians, but the life doesn't light up with the Bible. Why would God then the next say, nor hang out with sinners? If there was a difference between sinners and ungodly. Think about what I'm saying. How many of you know church people that go to this church or other churches, you wouldn't really call them godly people because their life doesn't demonstrate it. They don't live like godly people. Well, why would you go to them to ask, ask them how to raise your kids? Why would you go to somebody that's never paid a tithe in their life, never given an offering, and ask them for financial advice? Amen. Why would you ask somebody that's been married a half a dozen times, goes to church, yet still living with two or three different people and doing things they shouldn't do, but they're church people? Why would you ask them about marriage things? Why would you ask them? He says, Bless the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so, just because somebody goes to church all the time, just because somebody has a reputation they come from a Christian family, that doesn't mean they're a godly person. A godly, see, godly means godlike. 
as God-like means is that you act like the Word of God says you should act. You do what the Word of God says you can do. And we're talking about making healthy choices. And so it's one thing to associate with people. It's another thing to make them bosom buddies. I'm talking about making healthy choices. And then it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Well, sinner in the Bible simply means somebody that hasn't received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior yet. That means a person that's unsaved. And he's not saying you separate yourself from people that aren't saved. How could you win the lost if you're never around the lost? How could you witness? How can you tell about Jesus if all your friends are just Christian friends? You can't. What he's saying is this. And I learned this. I was a truck driver 28 years. I mean, I know what it's like to work out there in the secular world. I was out there for a long time. If I worked with these guys 8 or 10, 12 hours a day, when I was one of them, when I was a sinner, I didn't mind going to drink a beer. But I never could drink a beer. It's a bad thing about it, man. I got loaded every time. And so when I was one of them, I didn't want to go to the Bible study because I wasn't a Christian. I wanted to go to the bar. I wanted to go where the sinners were because I was a sinner. But after I got born again, man, 10 or 12 hours dead, those guys was enough. They wasn't my best friends. Once I clocked out, man, we were done. I got to be around them all day. They got to see my light shine all day. They got to see Jesus in me all day. I didn't leave out and say, well, I'll tell you what, you guys going down to the bar, I'll go hang out with you too so I can win you. I'll just bring my Bible down while you guys are drinking beer and doing what you're doing. I'll sit there and read the Bible to the bar. It doesn't work that way. He says, he says, nor hangs out with sinners. Unless God gives you a special assignment when you clock out, unless God's got you on a mission, it's time to unhook, to get back under the anointing, to get back in the glory, start getting something else going. See, this is God's instructions for making healthy choices. God says, simply, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You've got to choose some things. So I want to say it again. If you don't get yourself surrounded by Christians in your days off, you're not going to have anything to share on your days on. Because to me, every time you walk out those doors and go back out there in the dark world, you're walking back into the mission field. You're back on a mission. Your mission is what Jesus said. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. So we're out there to seek and save that which is lost. But you see the lifestyle of Jesus. He spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time in studying the Word of God. And so if you don't do those things, then you're not going to have the life you want to be. Then he says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And a scornful person could be a Christian or a non-Christian. A scornful person is one that murmurs, complains, and whines about everything, but does nothing to change anything. You know what that person is? That person is the person in the country living today that's consumed with politics, and they're talking about how bad the Republicans are, talking about how bad the Democrats are, talking about nobody knows what they're doing, they're all crooks, they're all this, they're all that, they're just whining and complaining, but they're doing nothing to change it. They don't pray about it. All they want to do is watch stupid news all day long. You get around them, just dump their garbage on you. He says you're not going to prosper if you hang out with scornful people. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so then I want you to notice, though, uh, well, there's an old saying, birds of a feather flock together. So who you hang out with is who you're going to be like. 
1 Corinthians 15, 23, I just want to read this. NIV says this. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good, corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So he's saying, if you keep on hanging around with people that are ungodly people, and that's who you want to hang out with, not just because sometimes you have to, but you really enjoy hanging out with them, you're going to become one of them again. And you don't want that. Verse 2 is where we're headed to. But his delight, talking about the man's blessed, is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. His law doth he meditate day and night. And so I want to say this. Fall in love with your Bible. Fall in love with your Bible. Build your life around hearing God's word. Build your life around speaking God's word. Build your life around acting on God's word. And the consequence of that is verse 3. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so it's saying if you choose carefully who your close friends are, we can have friends that aren't church people. We ought to have friends that aren't church people. There's a lot of people out there we can be friends with. But I want to say it again, your bosom buddy, your best friends forever type people, the ones you're really close to that you can really talk to and you can really listen to, it needs to be people that you know are walking with God, that are living His Word, that are walking in the anointing, and he says, whatsoever you do us shall prosper. As I said again, choices have consequences. I want to close with Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24. Katie Cakes, I was reading this on your house yesterday again. That's on, that's on their front door. It's on our front door. We've got a plaques on the front of our houses to say this. But we saw Moses at the end of his life in ministry sharing his heart. And now Moses, Moses' replacement, Joshua, he's come to the end of his road, the end of his life, and he's sharing his, his heart. So Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15, Joshua's told his people that he led for years and years, his thoughts, his wisdom, his heart, and he says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. I put away alcohol, gambling, cheating, stealing, beating up people, all that stupid stuff that my family did on that side of my born-again life. I've walked away from those things. Alcohol. Cheating, gambling, lying, stealing that my family did. I don't live there anymore. I put it away. That's what, that's what Joshua's telling as his party words. said, put these things away what your dads did. They might have thought it was cool, but where did it get them? You've got a new dad. You've got a new father. It says, put them away. And it says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, 
Here's that word again. Choose. The Bible's all about choices. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, here's that if or again for him. But, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's that will again. As an act of your will. And so I know that for me, when I got born again, I'm from a different generation than a lot of you, but the first president that was here when I was born was a guy named Harry S. Truman. How many remember the name Harry S. Truman? Well, Harry S. Truman was a Democrat. He was a politician. He was a really good president. But he had a sign on his, on his uh, desk that said, The buck stops here. And I'm not talking Democrats or Republicans because you got good ones and bad ones on both sides. It doesn't make any difference. But I just said he was a Democrat to say this because a lot of things that are fighting the sparks fly today. On his desk, he had a sign that said, The buck stops here. And what that meant was this. He wasn't a politician was going to blame his failures of the previous administration. He wasn't a politician going to blame his uh, problems of who was in Congress, who was in the Senate. He said, I'm the president. I'm the guy that's been elected to lead this nation. And if it's, if it's going really well, then some people are going to give me the credit. But if it's not going, not going so well, if it's going bad, said they're going to blame somebody. He said, I'm in office now. He said, I've got responsibilities, and I can change it because I'm the leader now. And so he said, the buck stops here. He said, if you, if you come to me wanting to point the finger of blame, I'm not going to point at somebody else. I'm going to point at me and say, okay, I'm listening to you. I want to change things. I came to this church in California in 2005. And when I came here, things going on were results of the last pastor. And I'm not saying good things or bad things. I'm saying that was a previous administration. But after I'd been here a couple of years, I knew this church was my baby now. It was mine. I knew that if things weren't going well, then you blame me. If things were going good, we'd give Jesus the credit. And so I'm saying this for what he said right there. He said, as for me and my house, I'm making a choice. We will serve the Lord. And so when I got born again, I said for the Samples family, the buck stops here. My family that I'm raising is not going to be addicts. My family that I'm raising are not going to be thugs and crooks. My family that I'm raising are not going to be cheaters and liars and stealers. I thought about President Truman, and I put a sign on my heart, said the buck stops here. And to me what that meant was this, the curse stops here. The curse, the Samples family wanted to walk in. I said, well, as for me and my house, it stops. We're going this direction. I knew it was choices I would make is how my family was going to turn out. And praise God, I've raised up some preachers out of my bunch. I've raised up some good ushers out of my bunch. I've raised up worship leaders out of my bunch. I've raised up tithers and givers and people that love people, forgive people out of my bunch. You know why? Because I decided as for me and my house, choices have consequences. We will serve the Lord. And let me just throw one more thing. You know, how could I, how could I help but help people when you want to help people? I heard Dr. Barclay tell a story a while back, and listen to this. Take heed what I'm going to say. He said he had a guy that went to his church for like 30 years, raised his kids in the church, 
And then the guy came to Dr. Barclay one day. He said, the man was crying with tears. He said, I don't know what's going on. He said, my son and his family, I raised them in this church. And said, so they won't go to church. They're always doing everything else except going to church. And they show up every once in a while to church. And I raised them. And Dr. Barclay said, I want to be your pastor and I want to help you. He said, you didn't raise your kids in this church. He said, you and your kids come to church when you didn't have an important ball game to go to. He said, you and your kids come to this church. We didn't have cars to work on. He said, you and your kids came to this church when somebody else didn't invite you to do something better. That's when you came. He said, I'm not being mean to your pastor. He said, I've got to tell you the truth. So I've watched you for 30 years. He said, you were a church attender sometimes. And you stayed here in the church for 30 years. But your son is just doing what he saw you do for 30 years. Said your son always knew if there's a ball game, we don't go to church. If we got something to do, we don't go to church. If somebody invites us to go do this, we don't go to church. So he said, I'm your pastor and I love you and I'm glad you've been here 30 years. But said, all your son's doing what you did. And he said, I figured the guy get mad blow up on me. He said, the guy started crying. He said, you know what? Pastor, you're right. I'm going to change. And so then he said, this man went to his grown son that had a family. And he said, son, I want to ask you to forgive me. He said, I was a bad example to you all the time I raised you. He said, I showed you the wrong standard. He said, the standard was we should have been faithful in church. We should have been committed to being there. We should have been a part of it. And then Dr. Barclay said, when he told that story, he said, he said, that's been a couple of years ago now. He said, his son listened to his dad. And his son changed and said, you know what, dad, you're right. He said, I'm raising my family now, dad. I'm not going to raise my family like you raised us. He said, I'm making the choice. I'm going to start taking my kids to church consistently. We're going to be there. And Dr. Barclay said, that whole family got turned around because Dr. Barclay said, I was man enough to tell him that. Amen. And so, I just want to tell you, choices have consequences. Check yourselves out and see what kind of healthy choices you make. Are you making healthy choices? If there's always something else first, do you always put God second? Or are you going to start putting Him first? Anyway, our theme verse, I'll just read this again, then we'll stand up and we'll minister to you. Hebrews 10.25 let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other. Encourage and warn each other, especially now that Deb is coming back, is drawing near. That's God's wisdom for healthy choices. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.